0: Do we trust Nick Crawl to do what needs to be done this offseason? I don't think the question totally depends on Nick to answer that alone. I'll tell you why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr. I am a lifelong addict of the Cincinnati Reds, and I've turned that addiction into information for you. We've now done five seasons as the host of Locked On Reds. Steve joined me just two seasons ago. Steve won't be with me here today. He'll be back next week, but I am excited that you made Locked On Reds part of your day today. Thanks, as always, for doing so. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every single day through the season, through the offseason, through through spring training, you can be all locked on Reds right here as we talk about the Cincinnati Reds all year long. And coming up on today's podcast, as we move into a super, I mean, probably the most important offseason that the Reds have had in a long time, they have a shopping list that needs to be done, and Nick Crawl is the shopper. Do we trust him to come back with the right things? I don't necessarily know that that question all depends on him though. I also want to look at a possible right-handed. We've been talking about one of the shopping list needs for the Reds this offseason being a right-handed outfielder. They might have an option in house and uh, Steve and Tim Daniel talked about Tyler Stevenson a couple of days ago. I want to add to that conversation because I think there were some encouraging signs in the second half of the season You're probably wondering how. I'll I'll tell you why later on in today's show. But I want to start first with the big thing this offseason. It's going to be about the moves. The Reds have to make some moves. They have to get some bullpen pitching, probably get a starter, definitely need to get a right-handed bat in the outfield, maybe make a trade or two, shuffle some things around. I don't know. I, I love the roster continuity that the Reds could have. But there's definitely some improvements that need to be made. The Reds are moving into their contention window. Almost opened early this past season. I mean, really, the fact that they were in the playoff race up until the final days of the season was a surprise to everybody. But it was because of the talent that Nick Kroll stacked at the trade deadline the year before. And it was because of a lot of rookies that came up that were well-developed through the system. Nick Crawl did the thing he needed to do with the teardown. Now what can he do with the build up? This is now the point where the Reds need to be ready to contend. I mean, we're talking about a team that is expected to be in the playoff race, not year ne- next year, not hoping to be in the playoff race expected. with the year that they just had, with where they are, in terms of you looking at the organization and, and how it stacks up for the future, now is the time we're expecting. So do we trust Nick Kral to get things done? I do, but I don't necessarily think that it's all on him because the biggest question is, is ownership going to stay out of the way? And it's something that, you know, we don't talk about a ton because that's really a question you could ask just about in any scenario. Years past, we have, we have heard reporting that, uh, Bob Castellini did not like a trade. There was, uh, numerous reports of possible Billy Hamilton trades that Dick Williams had on the table years ago that Bob Castellini put the kibosh on, uh, where our ownership, uh, in, in, in the proceedings of this team, this off season, I think it is important to note. I believe they've stepped back. You, you look at some of the moves that Nick Kroll has made over the last few years And it would be moves that I think if Bob had a say in the decision making, might not have happened. I don't know that they would have traded Sonny Gray for Chase Petty. Now, we can debate the merits of that because Sonny Gray is pitching pretty well on the playoff mound right now for the Minnesota Twins, and we really could have used him in the rotation this past couple of years. And as awesome as Chase Petty sounds for the future, we're still probably looking at another year, maybe even two years before we see him in the majors. So that, that's one of those question marks that you have to wonder about those deals. But I think the fact that he made that trade, that was Nick Kroll making that trade. He was given the, the order to cut payroll and add talent to the farm system. I think he did a very good job with that. But I also think that there were some trades like that that you could probably point to and say, Nick Kroll did that. That wasn't a Castellini thing. And I think, too, with the, the, the Luis Castillo deal, I think it's a little a little annoying. I mean, Noelvi Marte is looking pretty good for the future, loving what he's bringing to the table. But it was strange how they handled that and how they didn't go to the contract and negotiating table with Luis Castillo until the last possible second. I think ownership had a hand in that. But I think moving forward, what we can expect from this ownership group is that they have given Nick Kral a budget and they're staying out of the way. I think that's the most important thing they could do. Now, we could all say, yes, they should give them more money to work with. And I do believe that we will see the Reds spend money this offseason. They have cut so much money from the books as opposed to just two years ago. Remember, the Reds' payroll was almost $120 million two years ago. I think this year it might be like around the 40s, $40 million if they don't make any big moves this offseason. So I expect them to spend. They are in the point of this uh, rebuild now where you're adding talent, where you're finding the margins that you need to build within, and you're making the financial commitments to build within that margin. I think Nick Kral knows how to find those deals. He knows how to find whether it be the free agent signing or the trade that needs to happen, I think Nick Crawl is well equipped to do that. The question is, is ownership going to get out of the way? I believe they are. I I just I, I I there's a little bit more of like I've seen some of those factors, and I've seen some of those things happen that have led me to believe that that'll be the case. But Nick Crawl now is the focal point because. You make the, make the deals to get the talent. Now, can you make the deals to get the talent that is necessary? Everybody's asking, and I think the, the big question is, should he have gone out and gotten more players at the trade deadline? Should he gotten more pitchers at the trade deadline? And in the focus of would they have made the playoffs with more pitching, the answer is yes. But the question does not allow for the ability to say what was the goal. Because the goal was not to get to the playoffs at all costs last year. just wasn't. The goal is for 2024. And when you look at it through that lens, his moves make sense. It's still fair to question whether he should have, but I, I really think that at the end of the day, any move Nick Kroll was making was more targeted to 2024 than it was just for 2023. Even look at Sam Maul. Look at Darth Maul. Dude's under contract for multiple years. And yeah, he was the only move and you probably would have liked to see more, but you're talking about a lefty for this bullpen that is a guy that I think I at least trust to be part of the bullpen moving forward. Got a lot of fun episodes coming up about who do we trust to be part of this team moving forward. The bullpen's going to be an interesting one because I think it's going to surprise some people. But Sam Maul, I'm going to put him in the trust category. And I think that that was a good get by Nick Crawl. But again, the moves were for next year. The moves were not for this year. They, they were looking for, you know, going back a couple of years ago whenever they acquired Trevor Bauer at the trade deadline. They acquired him because he had multiple years of control left. They were not going to get a rental player for a young prospect who could help them in the future. And I think that that period of time becomes this year. I think if you're coming into the trade deadline and the Reds need to make a move or two, they will make that this year. That was not last year, though. And that's where I follow. That's where I fall into the I trust Nick Crawl for the future. And I also trust that ownership will step out of the way and let him do his job. You know, the Reds may have a viable outfield option from the right handed side of the plate in their organization for next year. I'll tell you who that is and why. Coming up next. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is actually Ibotta. Sorry, wrong thing there. That is Ibotta. It's football season, after all, so that means pizza, wings, and maybe even some buffalo chicken dip. Whatever you prefer at your tailgate, go all in and get cash back on every purchase with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so that you can make beating inflation, you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You can either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use that cash back to make a little trip, maybe a weekend trip or something like that. Uh, Or you can uh, go get yourself a fancy dinner or maybe even tickets to that next sporting event that you've been looking at. Other apps will give you points, and those don't amount to much. But with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out into your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including places like Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code MLB. If you'd like to support the show throughout the offseason, join me on Subtext by texting Go Reds to 513 597 0944. I'll have uh, fun stats and uh, r- rumors as they come out. We'll be discussing all things like that uh, throughout the offseason on Subtext. Plus, you can text me your thoughts and your questions. Uh, and we're also going to bring back Aloha Fridays coming up next Friday and our subtexters will get first dibs on the questions there. So join today by texting Go Reds to 513-597-0944 and get a 14-day free trial to start. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. Who was the most surprising red this year? In a year that is full of surprising players, who was the most surprising? We'll discuss on the next Lockdown Reds. But I believe, uh, let's look at this, because the, the Reds' offseason shopping list includes a right-handed outfield bat, Somebody who can platoon with Will Benson or Jake Fraley. Somebody who can play the outfield pretty well. And somebody who fits in to this roster. We, we talked about the mantra of the lineup moving forward is going to be power and speed. We're going to have guys that got pop and guys that can run around the bases at fast speeds. And they got a guy in organization who could possibly fit that, a guy by the name of Blake Dunn. You may have heard of Blake Dunn uh, throughout this season as he moved through the minors. He began in Dayton, played very well in Dayton, and then moved up to Chattanooga and then smashed double A pitching in Chattanooga. And it was interesting because double A kind of went through a strange season. They were experimenting with a A more tacky baseball, something that a pitcher could grip better, caused a lot more break. Strikeout rates kind of went through the roof at double A a little bit. And as we saw with different players, and we kind of evaluated how double A affected them in triple A and things like that. Well, it was weird because during Blake Dunn's tenure, he played 77 games in Chattanooga, he kind of got half tacky, half not tacky baseball experience so with that you kind of wonder what does that do to a guy how does that affect him as he's facing these experimental pitches and uh, he did pretty well in fact in those 77 games he had a slash line of a batting average with 332 on base percentage of 433 and a slugging percentage of 556 we always say you're a pretty darn good hitter if you can go 345 in your slash it's exactly what blake dunn did and he did that in 357 plate appearances. He had a walk rate of 11.5%, which league average in Major League Baseball is 8%, so above average down in AAA. And then he had a strikeout rate that was slightly below average. League average is 22%. He struck out at a 23% rate. But again, we're talking about him dealing with this tacky baseball. It's a different baseball than they used in Dayton, and it's a different baseball than they used if he were to be ca- called up to A in Louisville. So it's interesting to note that I think Double A pitching throughout this season, and I'll need to do some more digging on this. Maybe we'll have Doug Gray and um, a couple of minor league folks on here to talk more about this. Maybe our, our buddy Lindsey Crosby over at Lockdown MLB Prospects. Uh, would have more insight, but I believe that that kind of leveled the playing field between double-A and triple-A pitching just a little bit. So with that, he was facing better pitching, and he still mashed. There's an interesting comparison as well because folks within the organization look at Blake Dunn, and they compare him to TJ Friedel. He's a right-handed version of TJ Friedel. And even when you look at where he kind of ranks in the red system, according to MLB Pipeline, He's in the Reds' top 30, but he's, like, ranked 22nd. That was according to their midseason update. Now, I think he might be higher as we move into next spring training, but it's not as if we're talking about a top 5, top 10 guy. He's on the fringes here as far as rankings go, but the way that he played at AA cannot be ignored. He had 15 home runs in those 77 games and 35 steals. 35 steals! That's That's... Ellie numbers, kind of. He's not as fast as Ellie. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself if I'm comparing him to Ellie speed-wise, but he is a fast runner, and he's very athletic. We're talking about in high school he played four sports. Not one, not two, but four. He played baseball, football, basketball, and he did the hurdles in track and field. Dude is an athlete and could be a very interesting choice for the reds next year now i don't necessarily know i i think he is an option i don't know that he should be option a i think the reds should definitely look on the free agent list maybe look at making a trade or something like that to acquire some major league help when it comes to a right-handed platoon spot but maybe partway through the year we could see blake dunn come up and be a vital part down the stretch for this outfield he's got talent According to, uh, at least on MLB Pipeline, the scouting grades that they gave him, they gave his hit tool a 50, which is right around major league average. They gave his speed a 50 as well, and they gave his arm a 50. They think that this guy could probably be a viable major leaguer, although his overall scout tool, he got a 40 on the 20 to 80 uh, scale. But I think that he's developing more. I think Blake Dunn is a guy that, like I said, he was low in the rankings, but could he be a TJ Friedel type dude? Because if TJ Friedel came up through the Red System, nobody looked at him and said "surefire everyday outfielder." What are you saying now? Because I'm saying that I, I think every uh, TJ Friedel is an easy everyday outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds. Could Blake Dunn be that next guy? I I, I think that it's definitely not in the category of surefire outfielder for the reds but i think he could be an intriguing option just looking at the successes that he had in double a and as he moved through the minors he's always been a dude who walks a decent amount so he's not like really chasing a bunch of bad pitches he still strikes out right around the league average but i i think he shows a lot of talent and a lot of promise he's going to be a guy that i have my eye on next year as we move into spring training. I'm sure he'll get an invite to spring training. He's not on the 40-man roster. Uh, he's not even Rule 5 eligible until next December, so he doesn't have to be added to the 40-man roster this offseason. But he could be a guy who plays himself into some major league playing time next year. He's 25 years old. He was drafted in the 2021 draft in the 15th round. So he's never he's never really been a guy that has just been like, bam, look at me. I'm a huge prospect. I'm going to be this game-changing dude. But I think he's had to work to get where he is. And he's coming from a very athletic background, which really intrigues me. I think he fits perfectly on this roster if he is able to come up and and hit and and translate some of that power. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a 15-homer type dude in the majors, but could he be a 10-homer dude? 10-homer guy with good defense and, you know, he's stealing you some bases and a a nuisance on the base paths, that could be very valuable for this team moving forward because I think the Reds do pretty well in the power department with the guys that they already have up. They don't necessarily have to call up another home run hitting guy. They can call up a dude that's going to be on base when those homers get hit. I think Blake Dunn could definitely be that dude, especially against left-handed pitching. So I I think he is an intriguing option, not plan A by any stretch of the imagination, but I would love to see a little bit more from Blake Dunn next year. He probably plays a little bit in AAA before he gets the call, but I think he'll get the call at some point next year. Like I said, he's going to be like 26 years old. So we're not talking about a super young dude that the Reds have rushed through the system. You know, a couple of days ago, I was off, um, and Steve and, and Tim Daniel from Late Night Reds uh, stepped in to talk with Steve about uh, Tyler Stevenson. And I want to add in why I think he showed signs of emerging from the ashes of a down year in the second half of last season. I'll tell you why coming up next. Before we do that, though, wanted to talk about one of our other sponsors today, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel. FanDuel's got a lot of great uh, bets when it comes to the uh, MLB postseason, when it comes to the NFL stuff that's going on. Of course, you had uh, Thursday Night Football last night. You got a lot of great football going on this weekend and between college and, and pro and all that great stuff. And they've got amazing promos throughout the football season over at FanDuel. In fact... If you're a new customer right now, you can bet five dollars and you can get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets, guaranteed. You don't even have to win. You just bet five dollars if you're a brand new customer and you get two hundred bonus bets, two hundred dollars in bonus bets, guaranteed right then and there. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. I'm telling you, there's so many fun things. And and I had a thing, and now I'm, I was totally wrong on this. But I had a I, I picked the wild card series. The only one that I got right was the Phillies. I had the Brewers winning. I had the Rays winning and I had the Blue Jays winning. Yeah, but you can put together fun parlays like that and probably do better at it than me over at FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and you can get in on all the action. FanDuel is an official partner of both the NFL and Major League Baseball. You can follow us in between episodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm on there. I'm on TikTok as well. I believe my TikTok username is uh, the same at Jeff Carr with three F. So you should probably look that up before I shout that out. Um, but yeah, I'm on TikTok as well. Uh, you can also join the Lockdown Reds community on Discord. Got a link down in the description of today's episode. A lot of great people talking Reds baseball all day, every day there on the Lockdown Reds Discord page, and we welcome you to join. Two days ago, um, I was off. Turning 34, uh, and uh, Tim Daniel joined Steve to talk about Tyler Stevenson, and they said the obvious. They said that they said what happened, right? It was a bad year. Tyler Stevenson did not have a good season last year. In fact, one of the things we like to talk about, and we always we use these whenever uh, you know people like to say Joey Votto's overpaid. If you go to Fangraphs, they have a metric just a value where they take a player's performance and they translate it into a dollar value in millions. And Joey has far and away exceeded the value of his own contract. But when it comes to Tyler Stevenson this past year, according to that value metric, he was worth negative five and a half million dollars to the Reds. He had a bad year. I mean, any stretch of the imagination, I'm not, I'm not here to say this was a good year for Tyler Stevenson, but I saw some signs the second half of the year. And, and, and really the second half is gratuitous for some reason. When I split it up in my mind, I think of July 4th. I really think of, and I don't know how you feel about this, but like even growing up when I was a kid and it was summer break and I was thinking, man, up until July 4th, that's the first half of summer because it felt like after July 4th, summer went by like that. And it felt like that this year for baseball as well. Like it felt like yesterday was July 4th, but Okay, so that's where my mind went with this. So bear with me there. So July 4th is the deline- the delineation, the it's the point that I'm using here. I'm trying to think of a big word and it's not working. Um, but July 4th is where I'm breaking down Tyler Siemenson season because really before that, we know what he was. He was kind of just a singles hitter, just hitting it on the ground, hoping it got through the infield. Not really doing much at the plate. And I'm kind of looking at the plate-wise because I was able to break this up on the hitting perspective. I couldn't quite break it up fielding-wise. That's going to be a whole nother conversation, really. And I'm just focusing on Tyler Stevenson here at the plate. But before July 4th, a, a interesting note. When you look at his plate discipline, he was making contact on strikes 83% of the time before July 4th. After July 4th, he made contact on strikes 87% of the time. So there's a little bit of uptick there. The thing that, that I get, that th- this blows me away. Before July 4th, Tyler Stevenson was being overly selective at the plate. Like almost too selective. Because before July 4th, he only swung at 57% of the pitches that were in the zone. 57. Think about that. It is a it is a strike is a pitch that is in the zone. He was only swinging at that 57% of the time. I'm, I I don't know if he was just not seeing things, and I I would like to have him on the show to kind of discuss his year because, there man, there's a lot to talk about. But this in particular just really blew my mind. So think about that. Before July 4th, making contact 83% of the time on strikes, he only swung 57% of the time, though. So then you see after July 4th, the contact rate increases, so does the swinging percentage. So after July 4th, on pitches inside the zone, Tyler Stevenson swung at 71%. He went from only swinging 57% of the time at strikes to 71% of the time, and he made more contact. And he was making better contact because his average exit velocity went up. Before July 4th, it was 88.3 miles an hour, after July 4th, he averaged 91 miles an hour on his exit velo. Those were encouraging signs. And I know, I know what you're saying. You're, you, maybe you even went to fan and you broke it down this way and you looked at Jeff after July 4th, Tyler Stevenson hit two twelve. What are you talking about? He got better. He was slugging less than 400. He didn't get better. Here's the key. More contact, better quality of contact. Worse BABIP, for whatever reason. The he he kind of kept the ball on the ground a little bit too much this year, and I think he'll do a better job of hitting line drives and fly balls next year. But his batting average on balls in play before July fourth was three fifty above league average. That was going to come down, but once he started hitting the ball better and making more contact, he actually saw less BABIP. It went down to two fifty eight a 100-point decrease in Babbitt. Unlucky. That's what that means. He, Tyler Stevenson, so to break this all down, because I've, I've said numbers and all that good stuff about Tyler Stevenson at the plate, but kind of going deep on this, his contact rate was better, his quality of contact was better, his luck hit the ground. His luck just went crazy bad. And that is where you would see those numbers just kind of fall apart a little bit and I think that this all breaks down to one very simple thing Tyler Stevenson hit his sophomore slump this is something we'll talk about a lot with with the rookies that we saw this year and the great performances that we saw from them and what's going to happen in their second year because there is a period of time that every rookie goes through that is the sophomore slump whether it's big small if it's a year if it's a month, whatever it might be, they all have an adjustment period that they hit. Tyler Stevenson had technically played for three years before this season. Now he played for a cup of coffee in 2020. He played a decent amount in 2021. He only played 50 games in 2022. You put it all together, it's barely more than one season in three years. So this was really his second season. Now kudos to him. He played more games this year than he had uh, in 2021, he played 142 games this year, but I think that first half that up till July 4th was like the sophomore slump area. And you started to see him come out of it. It's just, as they always say, and I think that there's a lot of, a lot of baseball fans that kind of get annoyed whenever players say this, but they're like, I like how I feel. I, I think the process is working. I think I'm getting good work out of it. I'm just not getting the results. That's what happened to Tyler Stevenson. He started to see better. um, He started to hit the ball better, see the ball better, make better contact. The results just weren't there. He was finding more gloves than he was finding grass. And I think that next season, because of this little uptick in things, we're going to see Tyler Stevenson emerge from that sophomore slump. I think that that we're going to see that. That's going to be his biggest test. But I think at the plate, he'll be much better. And he'll be much better because he doesn't have to be that guy. That's something that Tyler, that uh, Steve and Tim talked about, is that he doesn't have to be the, the straw that stirs the drink of this lineup. He can just kind of be one of the guys. And I think that's going to benefit him. And I think that he's going to stick at catcher, and then that's going to benefit him too. But that'll wrap up this edition of Locked On Reds. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, And thanks to those of you that are everydayers. Coming up on the next podcast, for those of you who are everydayers, we are going to look at the most surprising Reds player of 2023. I'm sure everybody's going to have the exact same opinion and completely agree with me on that. Looking forward to that. That's going to be on the next Locked On Reds podcast. So make sure you join us. Make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast platform and right here on YouTube. Because we will be locked on Reds every single day.